0: Thanks again for listening to the Park Hills Podcast. If you want more information on the things that we're doing here, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. Pastor Rich is in the house. Hey, Chris. Hey. Uh, Yeah, are we getting older or younger as the days go on? How do you feel?
1: I'm feeling much older. Okay. Yes, most of it's self inflicted, though.
0: (laughs) Yes, I totally understand that. Uh, Speaking of feeling older, this woman has been hurting for a long time. No, I'm just kidding. That's a terrible segue, but it's good. So here's the thing we, you know, we do this, you know, stories or, or, things from the cutting room floor, notes from the cutting room floor, things that we could spend probably hours doing a sermon. I know I could. That was a softball that you didn't even jump at. I know I could spend hours just digging through a passage, and it would probably be moderately interesting for part of it. But to spare people from the hours of sermons, we take some time sometimes to unpack ideas from a passage that, it's not that we don't have time to preach them. It's just, it may not be the main point of the text, mm-hmm. but it's a nice rabbit trail. It's a good thing to kind of think about.
1: Well, plus we can't spend 17 years going through the book of Mark because that's what you would need.
0: I also don't know that we can't spend 17 <laughs> years going through that. <laughs> but say la vie. We agree to disagree. So uh, verse 24 of chapter 5 of Mark, it starts, I'm going to read starting in halfway through. It says, And a great crowd followed him, this is Jesus, and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. That sounds like sometimes the health care system that we get to deal with. Did I say that out loud? I did. All you
1: right. did, but that's okay. No one's... You know, uh, yeah. All right, right sure. picking back
0: up in verse 27. Let's stay focused, Chris. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up uh, behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.
1: Very interesting stuff. Very interesting. I have so many questions. Right. First off. Let's go. First off, it's kind of creepy that she sneaks up just to touch his garment. It's weird. The second thing is, then he goes, who touched me? Mm-hmm. He's got. He walks on water. He does these things. I, I always wonder if that was more of a rhetorical question for the disciples to realize that something had happened, so the whole event didn't pass by. But we'll set that aside for another cutting room floor discussion.
0: Yes. But why... Probably when we do Matthew, because there'll be other things we need to talk about when we hit there. So, yeah.
1: All right. When when are we doing Matthew, just just so you know? A couple of years.
0: We'll start in 2024.
1: All right. Coming to a theater near you. (laughs) (laughs) The Book of Matthew in 2024. Anyways, going back, why would she approach him this way? Why would she like almost sneak through the crowd stealthily and then... Touch his garment.
0: Right. It's weird. hmm So you just got back from Israel with me. Yep. You saw a number of Jews walking around. I did. And most of the Jews walking around had little tassels coming out at their belt. Yes. Correct.
1: And it was almost whatever they were wearing, jeans, fancy clothes. It had no difference. You'd see the little things hanging out. Yes. Yep.
0: Because very often what's actually happening is they have a prayer shawl underneath their clothes or they have just the tassels to remind them to be praying. And so those tassels at the end of them, there's so many discussions about this all throughout the Bible, and you can find websites and preachers that talk about it, and some of them go into wild, crazy theories and things. That So let me just give you the bare bones here. The the tassel at the very bottom of the garment was a command given by God in the book of Numbers, and it was to remind the people to pray, to rely on him. And what they started calling them uh, these tassels, the, the Hebrew word is sit Uh And, the, you know, we see in the book of Luke, it talks about the fringes of the garment. These things, these edges, they also called them wings. And so it was basically just the very edge of the prayer shawl. So you would take the prayer shawl and you'd wrap it around your head and you'd kind of create a little space that only you and God were in. And, it, you know, it's a very unique, interesting thing. So all that to say, these little tassels took on a life of their own over the years. Eventually, you would tie off the tassels with four knots. And those four knots represented the name of God. Yod, He, Vov, He. Those are the four letters, or in our parlance, it'd be Y-H-W-H, which is where we get the name Yahweh. Or if you're German and you don't know how to say Y's and you add every, everything to a J and you can't say W's and you make everything a V, it becomes Jehovah.
1: I love Interesting. I, Interesting. Love, I love how you're
0: laughing, but that's exactly where the word Jehovah <laughs> came from. It's The Germans just took everything, and I'm, I, I can say this being German, they just took everything theological and they just made it way harsher. You know, Even the name E-A-S-U-S becomes Jesus, right? I mean, it's just, there's a...
1: Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no asking in German. No. It's just a command. And if yeah.
0: yeah, and if you've ever heard anyone speak German, you know it's it's somewhat of some, a some harsh language. And
1: yeah, Expreka.
0: Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, so yeah, well, he wasn't German. <coughs> he's Austrian. Same thing.
1: Uh, he's. That's not the same thing. Anyway, let's continue Certain on. Certain people would say it's the same thing. They're not good people, but they would
0: say it's the same thing. So here's the thing. Uh, this, These four knots mm-hmm. mean the name of God, and then what you would do is you'd wrap the four knots between your five fingers, and the five fingers re- reminded you of Torah, right? The, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the five books of, of Moses. So all those things are sort of just tied into this, and the idea was that you would be praying constantly. You'd be thinking about it. And like I said, it took on a life of their own, and they started calling them wings. Well, There's this curious verse in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 2, that says, And the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Now, I want to be really clear when when I say this. And I know we've talked about this in sermons before, but we're putting it on the podcast here so people have access to it. You can come back to it. You can listen to it as many times as you want. I'm not saying that Jesus actually had healing in his wings. That's... Uh, but I'm also not, not saying that because it's very possible that's what he – but at what I, I think about this woman, whatever understanding of Scripture she has, in her mind, she thinks he has healing in his wings, wings, tassels, edge of the garment. If I touch the fringe, healing will be found there. And she might be thinking, I don't wanna bother him. I don't wanna I don't wanna incur his wrath. Maybe if I just in the midst of this crowd, which she shouldn't even be in, by the way, because right, she's because, unclean. Right. She's technically bleeding.
1: she's like an outcast. She would have had to really almost stealthily sneak in yep. here, otherwise people might have been flipping out just with her presence, right? Totally. And if
0: anybody knew who she was and knew her malady, they would have screamed out unclean and all of a sudden the whole crowd would have parted. They would have kicked her out of town. Some people might have stoned her because mm-hmm. they made her ceremony they her uncleanliness would have passed into them. So this woman, in her desperation, which we'll come back to that in a second, reaches out and touches the fringes of his garments. So that's why I think she says, all I need to do is touch his garments and I'll be made well. Again, I don't know that she's right in her theology, but what's beautiful is the God that we serve knows what she's thinking, knows what she's looking for, and she does the thing that makes sense to her logically, and he heals her with it. That, man... That's amazing. Okay. And so a couple other stories in the, in the Bible that might paint some picture, and we talked about this in En Gedi when we were there just a couple weeks ago for Israel. Uh, you know, David's in a cave, and he's hiding out from Saul, and in walks Saul, who needs to relieve himself, and he does that, and David cuts off the fringe of his garment. The reason for that is back to this idea of these wings. They represented life, the Torah. They represented Yahweh who gave us life. They So to cut off just the fringe of the garment is David giving him a death sentence saying, I could have killed you, but I didn't. Look how close I got. This is what I've got. And so these little passages all pop up in the Bible of people cutting off fringes or touching fringes, and all of it is tied to that idea, this... This this garment that God told people to wear, and even today when you're walking around in Israel, you see it everywhere, and everyone's got these fringes mm-hmm. or these tassels or these wings, and they're just walking around like nothing's happening. And yet they read this story, and when I brought this up to Jews at times, they've gone, oh, I never saw that before. Of course, they're not really reading the writings of Jesus very much, so right. I don't blame them. But then they're like, that's interesting. I'll think about that. And then they usually come back to me and are mad about something, but that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> but I think it's really interesting that there's all these little like pieces that you'd never know unless you put them all together just right. Then you go, oh man, what a beautiful expression of faith this woman has.
1: Yeah. And I, I see there's, there's one other slight little, or little element here in that if we recognize God's power right. and his greatness, his awesomeness, even in our own lives, I only need a teeny fraction of that. I don't need all of God to be healed. I mean, if he is this amazing and the creator, I just need a touch. I need a word. I just need a little bit to heal me for because I'm basically insignificant. So, So even when you're saying that, I think about even that as a theme. I don't need all of him. I just need a little mm-hmm. bit because he has this and he's got this unlimited power. Now, you know, in a human perspective, like if I'm going to the doctor, I want all of his attention. Right. I mean, I need 100%, like, look at me, please pay attention, here's what's right. going on, and I need all of your resources. But with God, proper understanding there is like, I just need a little bit, mm-hmm. just a touch. And that's kind of what she's even relating here. Even in the text, what's interesting is there must have been some follow-up with her where she explained at some point, because we actually get into her mind where, you know, the only way we pick up mm-hmm. her words is, or that, you know, if I, I know if all of all I need to do is touch his garment. And so I can imagine at some point there was an interaction when this was being written that they found her or maybe she was part mm-hmm. of the group at some point later on. We, we just don't know. Um, but, but I can imagine her saying, I just needed to get a little bit mm-hmm. just close to him.
0: Just needed to touch the fringes. And, and the verse I think you're thinking of too is, but the woman knowing what had happened to her came in fear and trembling. How would they know that uh-huh. detail? this whole story you're totally right right. there's got to be some kind of eyewitness account or she starts following jesus and these guys constantly talk to her and then eventually it's like this is one of those stories we have to throw in here yeah we need to make sure yeah we need to make sure there's a point there and it's got this great bookend you know you've got this this we're talking about this in the sermon but this this puffy guy this high and mighty man who asked for his daughter to be healed and then this interruption that happens in the middle it's just a beautiful story this whole section of of mark chapter five but I think one of the big things we want to talk about, too, is also just this this idea of desperation. Right. Right.
1: Right. It says that she had gone to all the doctors, um, and they had actually—she was actually getting worse. She wasn't even getting better. Right. So I can imagine in her head, like, she may not have had any kind of a full understanding of who Jesus was, because actually to this point, he was just revealing himself, um, kind of cloaked to the Jews, but more fully to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. But. They, they even the disciples didn't get exactly who he was, right? They were getting glimpses, and yet, so she was out of her desperation. Whether this was like I don't have any other choice, or she had some other, uh, some prompting that led her there. And I think there's a theme of desperation through mm-hmm. this. In the midst of this, as you mentioned, um, we've got a guy who's coming because his daughter is dying, right? I mean, you know, you've got daughters, I've sons, I've got granddaughters. You know, if if the medical People of the day can't solve what's going on, and there's something like that. We would do whatever we needed to do, yeah. We would be desperate. Mm-hmm. I think about the centurion, uh, later on, I think it might be in Luke that where he just you know, he's like, he goes because he's okay. got one of his servants who is ill. You know, the Syrophoenician yep. woman yep. that's coming up here, yep. She's desperate. She goes, she breaks all kinds of cultural boundaries because she's desperate and she just needs him. And then we think about, you know, the the story of the paralytic with the four friends. He's desperate. His friends are desperate. They tear a roof off Mm -hmm. to lower him down. So there's this desperation. And I think as people, we, we get to this point quite often in life, right? You know, circumstances are outside our control. Maybe it's some, a response with something dumb we did, but there are sometimes life just smashes us in the face yep. and we're desperate for answers. We're de- desperate for peace or for comfort. And may, we may not always turn to the right direction, but these folks, they were led to to, to turn to Jesus in their desperation. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think is really compassionate and amazing about our Savior is that he didn't demand perfect understanding of who he is. Right. He didn't demand actually obedience because in a lot of these cases, well, they were tearing apart someone's house. Sure. Okay. Um, She was unclean, so she was breaking the cleanliness laws. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got the centurion who he may have been a Jew. He might have been a Gentile. You know, it's hard to say how that all worked out. But he's coming and why would he even be caring about a servant? Because that's not even typical for, for the culture of the day. We got the synagogue's leader. If, if you know, the Pharisees were would have been pushing against Jesus, so there may have even been a tug there. Why would you even go talk to him? Because we we you know as a Pharisee we're not we're not sure where where he's really at. Um, so these people are breaking barriers. Jesus wasn't demanding this perfect obedience or perfect faith, but there was enough there that his response was healing mm-hmm. and comfort and compassion. And then there was, I believe, an understanding and a realization in their hearts of who he really is. Right. That is so comforting for us, which means we don't have to have perfect understanding of who Jesus is. Right. We don't have to have a perfect theology or a big degree or anything like that or speak all that Greek or Aramaic yeah. stuff that you, you, know, you, you study and, you know— <laughs> You're one of those scholarly folks, yeah, you know.
0: The stuff that you do, Chris, doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. I, I barely can work through English, you know. I agree with you. Yeah. I'm
1: trying to work on English. But um, we don't have to have that perfect in order to have that relationship mm-hmm. and to come to him in desperation and to see his response. And so I think if we actually went through, it'd be interesting to go back through like the entire Bible and do a study on desperation, the number of people yeah. coming to the end of whatever is going on in their life who turn to God and see what God's response is. Right. Um, because you know he doesn't say, "Yeah, sorry, take a number, I'll get back to you It's a compassionate response, right?
0: Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. and I think it's it's beautiful. It also leaves us in a weird place where we need to be careful it's not we are not saying that everybody who's desperate, if you're only desperate enough, you're actually going to get healing right That's not what we're saying, but what we are saying is that if you look at in the Gospels repeatedly, they these people are stopping at nothing to get to him and he provides. Mm-hmm. Now, at the same time, we've also talked about in sermon team a few times, he's clearly not healing everybody. Right. He's clearly not doing this this story, I can imagine other people in the crowd who are like, Well, I would have touched his fringes if I would have known that would have helped me, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, at the pool of Bethesda, uh, or Bethesda, how many people thought why did he get to walk away? I would love to be healed, Right. Why, why,
1: do, why didn't he just come in and say, hey, everybody, you're all good. Let's go. Totally. Right.
0: And so there's this weird thing that we have to trust the will of God and, and, and stand with him, even when things don't make sense, even when things are confusing and, and hard and difficult. But there is a unifying force of this idea of just being completely desperate. And I think the point that you're making, which is so important for us, is... Our desperation sometimes leads us to go to places that we shouldn't go. Right. These folks go look for the person that can actually fix the problem. Right. And a lot of times, at least as a pastor, I know you've probably had these moments too, where people come to me to talk to God, and it's like the last thing. You mm-hmm. know, I tried all these other things. They didn't work. I guess I'll give you a shot now. I just, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, know. I wish you started... With him, I wish he was the answer, which is really the point we're making. Right. He is the one that can heal, so let's trust him and let's go to him in desperation. If he chooses to heal us, praise him. If he chooses not to, praise him. We right? still
1: we still can praise him. And where we sit, we can still have access to his comfort. We can have access mm-hmm. to his peace. Because like you said, he didn't heal everybody in the entire world. He would have had that power, but God is God. He does what he does. Yeah. Um, but the whole point is... We should be able to turn to him. We can expect compassion. We can expect um, that he will respond in our desperation. And if you have any doubt on that, just spend some time in the Psalms, the number of times that David was desperate. And where did he turn? He turned to God.
0: It's a great place to go. And it's a great way to end this podcast.